Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Morning Show podcast. It is another big lineup coming your way. Uh, that's right, lads. We catch up with Dance Mums Fave, Abby Lee Miller, and Marsha Hines and Leo Sayer. Join us on the couch. Plus, find out exactly why we sneeze and what can happen if we try to hold it in. And meet the woman who fell pregnant while she was already pregnant. But first, we came to know Miranda Kerr as the model who graced countless magazine covers and worldwide runways. Now we know her more as an entrepreneur, marking 10 years since the start of her skincare line, Cora. Miranda is also a mum, and she joined us to talk co-parenting with Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry. When your face has appeared on countless covers right around the world, you get to know a thing or two about <laughs> beauty products. It's more than 10 years since Miranda Kerr built her organic skincare empire from the ground up. The biggest difference now is she does it all while chasing her three young kids right around the house. <laughs> now, in a year where self-care has been the biggest trend, the model-turned-entrepreneur has a few words of wisdom in the ways of wellness. And she has big-name buddies chiming in too. Uh, Mari Kondo, Elle McPherson and Katy Perry. We welcome back to the show, the lovely Miranda Kerr, live from LA. Hey, great to see you again. Hi, guys. It's so good to see you. How are you? We're okay, but uh, we've got to talk about you. So much to catch up on uh, since we saw you last time. Flynn is now 10. Hart is almost three. Miles is 18 months. How's everyone doing? Everyone is just a very, very busy household, I must say. There's never a dull moment. And both Evan and I are still working from home. And uh, the little ones are running in and out of our Zoom meetings. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. And we love it. Three boys in the house, Miranda. That is busy and noisy, probably, is it? It really is. Very noisy. <laughs> the little one-year-old's into balls. The two-year-old is into cars. And um, Flynn is really a, a true artist, I must say. He is incredibly talented. Lovely. Now, we, we can't go on without um, sending you all of our love and our condolences to you and your family. Your dear grandma and granddad passed away recently. You must be missing home. What an incredibly difficult time for you. Yeah, bless their souls. They're both such wonderful people that instilled so much love into me and all of our family. And we knew that my grandpa was sick for quite a while and he was in palliative care, but my nan passing 20 days later was quite a shock to all of us. Um, you know, and they definitely live in within, within all of us. Yeah, lovely. They, they say sometimes that dying of a broken heart, don't they, Miranda? Yeah, I really feel like that's what happened because, you know, 20 days later, she just couldn't do it anymore without him. And so it really did show that their love and commitment to each other. Mm, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. 
You've always been a big advocate of self-care. Glamour magazine actually named you a game changer for promoting wellness. That's impressive. Uh, why, why, where did that come from? Well, that was a, such a surprise. I was like, oh, me? Okay, cool, thanks. Um, it was such an honour and I really do feel and have felt for the longest time that health is wealth and wellness is something I've been so passionate about since I was a teenager. And when you take care of your mind, your body and your spirit, it's all connected to your general well-being. And for me, like, because your skin is your largest organ, and what we put on our skin sinks in. That's why I created Cora, which is a certified organic skincare line, not just a clean brand, um, but I really wanted to create a healthy brand that gives people the powerful results that they need for their skin. Great stuff. Now, you co-parent uh, Flynn with Orlando Bloom, who's engaged to Katy Perry, and we hear that you're planning an Instagram live chat with Katy straight after our interview. So basically, we're just the warm-up act for you. We're just, wa we're just warming you up for your chat with Katy. Yes, in 10 minutes, I'm supposed to go live with Katy on Instagram, and I just adore her, you know. I just feel so blessed to have her as part of our family, and uh, I just think she's amazing. She's obviously incredibly talented and she's always been so supportive of me. She is obsessed with our new Turmeric Glow Moisturizer, which is what we're going to be talking about today on the live because she was literally like, I love this product, you know, what can oh, I do? Yeah. Um, and I was like, let's do a live. You can, <laughs> you know, go ahead and tell everyone how much you love it. So that was really lovely of her. I just feel so lucky. That's and I'm really proud of this product, actually. It's incredible. That's, that's awesome. Uh, just, you and Katie had babies just months apart, right? So I guess you, you can swap mothering stories. Yeah, she's a really natural and beautiful mother, and it's just so sweet to see Daisy with Flynn and the way that Flynn is with her and his little brothers is just so precious. So they're all so lucky to have each other. And so are we, we just really adore each other and um, appreciate, you know, each other. Oh, we love to hear that. Now, when people think of mushrooms, uh, they don't automatically <laughs> think of facial cleanser, right? But, but it's the key ingredient in your new product. And we're going to need you to uh, really help us through this, to, under, to understand this one, the mushrooms. Well, the mushroom is actually in our cleansing oil. So we have a cleansing oil and we have the turmeric glow moisturizer, which we've just launched. Now, the mushroom is a silver ear mushroom that's in the cleansing oil, and it's a natural form of hyaluronic acid, which really helps to bind moisture to your skin. And actually, it has even better moisture retention than like the traditional hyaluronic acid. Wow. Um, that's why it's the key ingredient in here. And it really helps bind that moisture to your skin without the heaviness of a traditional oil cleanser. Yeah. So. It melts away your makeup, it cleanses your skin. And not only that, it has essential oils because we don't use any fragrance at all. We only use essential oils and it has uh, geranium, rose and basil to really help not just soothe your skin, but also your senses as well. Well, that sounds great because when we hear you talking about mushrooms out of Los Angeles, it, ca it can be a little bit, you know, you, you, have yeah, to wonder, you have to wonder. So good to know it's all about the cleansing oil and it's always lovely to see your face, Miranda. Thanks for chatting to us this morning. Bye-bye. Thank you, Miranda. Bye. Maybe that's why my skin is so great because you treat me like a mushroom, leave me in the dark and feed me poke. <laughs>
Well, what's more entertaining than watching a group of young dancers chase their dreams? Well, how about watching their mums fight about it? <laughs> Whatever. I'll pack my bags and go home right now. Is that would that make you guys all really happy? No, that would not make me happy. Because that's and what you know I'm doing. Jill's throwing shoes and she's cursing and all I'm thinking is you are so hard to take seriously wearing that hat. Ten years ago, Dance Moms became the runaway reality TV smash that the world could not stop watching and despite the blood, the sweat and many, many tears, stars like Maddie Ziegler and Jojo Siwa were born. At the centre of the show was Abby Lee Miller, the headstrong dance teacher who believed that diamonds are made under pressure. To win. I thought that putting Paige on top of the pyramid would build up her self-esteem, that that would give that kid a shot in the arm that she needed to get her act together. Big mistake. I've had it with you. There's a psycho in every match. While her techniques may not be for everyone, Abby won a legion of fans all over the world, and they've been by her side as she's faced some of the biggest challenges of her life. And Abby Lee Miller joins us now live from L.A. G'day, Abby. Today, how are you? Hey. Hey, great to see you. A decade on, a decade on from the Dance Mums debut. I mean, can you believe it's been 10 years? No. Sometimes it seems like yesterday. Other times it seems like 100 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you made a name for yourself, like a proper name for yourself, as being one of the strictest dance coaches ever. How much of that was real? A lot of it was real. I was a really tough coach. I would say much tougher before the cameras. Uh, you know, I had to be cautious and careful when the cameras were running, but you see the end result. You see, you know, imagine if you have children and you tell them to clean their room. Uh, the nice, t the first time you're nice, the third time, eh, the tenth time you want them to pick up the clothes and eat them off the floor, right? <laughs> so that's the only time you saw it. I, I did hours and hours of work. We had three cameras on me complete every single minute. Uh, the whole complete shoot, three cameras were on me and they shot, oh God, 48 hours of footage on three cameras. Wow. So uh, there were so many hours of me being nice and fun and rolling my eyes at the mothers and this that and the other thing and none of that's on camera it's yeah. only when i'm losing my mind mind you if, that, if that's I've the toned down version um <laughs> i would have hated to see the one before in the years well, the, of the one before the one before you have to remember yeah. that the parents find a coach they find a teacher they start their child at two and a half three years old now the kids are 16 17 18 my senior company there were 27 kids in my senior company when the show started and those parents have stepped away they've they've given me free reign they've paid me and they want me to do my job because those kids want to be professional dancers mm. and don't forget when the show started i already had oh gosh 20 kids in 25 different broadway shows mm -hmm. you know there's only one broadway yeah no, it's an amazing success rate yeah, before a TV show. Yeah. Now, you know, I was going to the Tonys with my students way before a TV show. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of, the network kind of didn't want you to know all that. They kind of left that out. Okay. Now, in the years that followed, you certainly proved your inner strength. And we need to check in on your health because after having a tumour removed from your spine and a cancer diagnosis, uh, are you walking it? How are you feeling? Where are you at in this journey? Well, recently I had two additional surgeries. I had 
one on an injury that apparently I had before puberty and I didn't even realize I had it. Uh, so they went in to fix that. They fixed it. I was doing great two weeks later and then suddenly I had two broken vertebrae and a bulging disc. So they had to go back in and do 10 more hours. They go in the front, they slice your stomach open, they move around your organs, your stomach, your intestine, and then they go in the back. They flip you on the table and go in the back, 10 and a half hours. And I just found out they go to lunch while you're out. Oh, oh my table. goodness. What how about that? What an ordeal. So how, so your health now, where, where, where are you at now? Uh, Cancer-free. I just had a PET scan last week and completely cancer-free. No problems there. Uh, the spine surgery, the recent one I had, I probably shouldn't have had it. I should have just kept going. Okay. So I have a torn rotator cuff in my left shoulder. I have, you know, and let's go back to before this happened in uh, 18 when I came out of my staycation. Uh, that was jail. You're, you're referring to, sorry, you're referring to jail there when you say staycation. Well, it's, pr it's prison. It's not jail. It's a little different. It's a camp. Anyway, when I, when I was finally released, finally, I literally had never, ever stayed overnight in a hospital, ever. I never spent one night in a hospital. Mm. The only thing I ever had was arthroscopic knee surgery years prior, and it was in and out, you know, outpatient. Never had any type of broken bone or any illness, nothing, nothing. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it's it's a lymphoma, a blood cancer that was choking my spinal cord. I went to mm -hmm. 10 doctors, or I'm sorry, six doctors in 10 days, and they all missed it. Go it's home and lot. take it easy, it's honey. You'll right. be fine. All right, well, let's come up to present day, and to use a dan dance term, you have pivoted, or perhaps it was a pirouette. <laughs> uh, we're not sure. You're now getting involved with these online dance classes, and very successful. How's it going? Yes, uh, you know, to, to sit on your, your derriere and teach a dance class millions of miles away has been amazing. I'm reaching kids in, uh, oh God, Mongolia and of course all over Australia wow. and, uh, you know, Canada, uh, everywhere. I mean, it's insane. And you have the chance to take class from people like me that maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to do all because of the COVID quarantine. Plus, we had a whole new resurgence of people watching the show because they were quarantined, stuck at home. Mm. And, uh, you know, we were sold to some different, you know, streaming companies. So people were watching the show. And uh, that was nice to see young kids, kids that weren't even born when the show started, yeah, right. we're now suddenly fans. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Now, we couldn't have Abby Lee Miller on the show and not have her assess uh, our dancing skills, uh, Larry and I's. Uh, Abby, this is us dancing on a TV show here in Australia. And I'm in the red dress. Larry's there next to me in the red tie. Um, what do you think? Are we on top of the pyramid, as you like to say? I, I think you guys look fabulous. Look at you. Mm. Look at that head spot. You are fabulous. Beautiful legs. Yes. Yeah. Look at you too. Look, look how good we are. Oh, we you gotta get those able. You gotta get the elbows straighter on the arms up, up. I mean, you gotta gotta lengthen those arms. Yeah. No, I, I did that on purpose. It's a, it's more of a, it's a signature thing that I do, so people can recognise oh. it's me. We were hoping to get approached by cruise ship companies to be some sort of <laughs> entertainment uh, uh, on the high seas. We never got anything out well, of no, that. Well, no, but then the pandemic happened, and that, that the, 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 the stopped well, it. Yes. That's the other thing. But maybe you'll get to be 
on my TV show in Australia. Well, well, we sort of know everything about dancing, so I'm not sure we can learn anything else. But uh, listen, lovely to talk. (laughs) We're sort of semi-professional. I think that's what you call it. Uh, Good to talk to you, as always. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. Well, you usually need to be royalty or a major celeb to make headlines for giving birth. But for UK mum, Rebecca Roberts, her twins are now known the world over. Little Noah and Rosalie may have been born at the same time, but were actually conceived three weeks apart. Rebecca fell pregnant when she was already pregnant. This rare medical phenomenon is called superfetation, with less than 15 cases ever documented in all of history. Having tried to get pregnant for a year, the twins were not only an unbelievable surprise, but a miracle for their loving parents. Rebecca Roberts and Reese Weaver join us live now from Trowbridge in the UK. Welcome to the show, guys. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Hey, Rebecca, it was at your 12-week scan that you got really the shock of your life. How did this happen and how did you initially take the news? Um, well, the shock would be, uh, well, the first shock was uh, we're having twins because I'd already had two previous scans which showed just one baby. So, yeah, the 12 week scan was a little bit crazy. There's two babies there. Um, and then I think I had two more scans after that uh, that showed us that one of the babies was actually younger than the uh, the eldest. Well, I say the eldest, they were literally uh, conceived three weeks apart. I got pregnant whilst I was already pregnant. So that was an absolute humongous shock, um, something that we had to learn about. We went home and we went on to Google just to find out about this amazing thing, which is called superfetation, like you said. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, only some, you know, very few cases in the world. Reese, given how few cases there are, Doctors were unsure, actually, if little Rosalie, the youngest one, would survive, would, would thrive, even survive. I mean, this must have been a really scary pregnancy. Yeah, I think it was um, particularly scary, primarily because of what's happening with coronavirus as well. But a lot of the time, certainly at the start, I couldn't even go into any of the scans, so I was hearing a lot of this secondhand via Rebecca. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty scary. And then we were told that Rosalie obviously was a little bit smaller and was you know, lagging behind a little bit. So, yeah, we were, we were pretty scared of the whole thing mm-hmm. until obviously they came along and uh, we knew they were all OK. Yeah. Hey, Rebecca, Rosalie was almost half the size of Noah when they were born. How are they doing now? And we're talking quietly because they're just downstairs sleeping. Mm-hmm. But how are they doing now? Um, yeah, she was really, really tiny. Um, she could almost fit in the palm of your hand. Um, she's she's still not as big as Noah. I don't think she ever really will catch up to Noah's size because he is a big lad. Um, but she, yeah, she's growing well. She's she's beautiful. I mean, lots of people have said that she's like a little doll, which I can I can see what what they mean. But yeah, she's just oh, she's just a gorgeous little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's growing well. So, Rebecca, have the doctors explained, you know, it is rare, 14 cases maybe in the world, but why it happened? Because you, you had been having trouble conceiving, so there is some sort of theory around maybe how it happened, right? Yes. Um, they, they said that they think this has happened because I had um, fertility treatment. I was given some drugs to help with ovulation, 
Um, they also said to me that this wouldn't usually happen if you hadn't have some kind of fertility treatment, um, like IVF as well. Some other cases out there have been because of IVF. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they think that I just, well, I, I did. I ovulated again, which would have been into my next cycle which is absolutely amazing, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Reese, three kids and a dog to contend with, all while working from home during the pandemic. How, how are you going? <laughs> well, for me personally, uh, yeah, it's, it's a busy household, to say the least. Um, there's someone always wants attention at some point. <laughs> And it's going to be like that for the rest of your life. Uh, Rebecca, you're sharing your unique journey on Instagram. Have you found a nice support network online? Oh, do you know what? Yes. Everyone has been so lovely and we encourage people to follow the twins. Um, It's roberts.supertwins if anyone would like to follow along and just watch them grow up. And I try to post something every day so you can just literally watch them grow up every day. Um, It's been nice with other parents of twins that contact me and that we can't um we can't go to any any groups or anything to be with any other parents and babies so it's really nice being able to talk to people online yeah and that's because of lockdown of course you're right in the middle of it there in england yeah Yeah. well and also no one else understands because there's only 15 of of you ever (laughs) in the world all right guys it's just past one o'clock in the morning there we do appreciate you staying up to talk to us today great chat thank you thank you Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, she is the matriarch of musical theatre, the darling of disco, a soul sensation. (laughs) And he's the Grammy award-winning maestro who makes us feel like dancing. And together, Marsha Hines and Leo Sayer are bringing the boogie back. The legends of Aussie music are returning to the stage at Melbourne Mini Festival. It's called April Sun. And here they are. Look at our lounge full of legends. Yeah. Hey. Welcome, Marsha. Welcome, Leo. Lovely and to you, see guys. you guys. <laughs> now, um, April Sun, it's the first uh, large-scale free-flowing. That sounds like something out of the 70s. Yeah, it so. Free-flowing <laughs> event flowing. Victoria has held in over a year. It's going to be COVID-safe, but fans can get up and boogie till mm-hmm. their heart's mm-hmm. content. Is that right? And so they should. They yeah. need to. We need, we to. need to. to. We need to release them. We need them. to, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we need to. It's been so long since we've done any live concerts, you know, yeah. and this is just going to be great. Yeah. Thank so, you, Melbourne. Uh, yeah, explain it to us, Leo. What are 11 days of days yeah, and nights? They're, they're, they're all very different nights. I mean, there's a lot of doof-doof music on one night, and then there's the church on another night, and then there's us guys on, on another oh, night. So, so, we're in so there's a contrast of different, <laughs> yeah, there's a, a contrast of different themes, as it were. So you're not on the doof-doof night? No, no, I'm not he on the is doof, 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 doof. I am Doof Doof. Doof. (laughs) We're Doof Doof in the background. All right, now, Leah, you're also touring around the country in May. What can we expect from that tour? Oh, yeah, the good news tour. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, I think think that we'll have slightly less audiences because of, you know, restrictions that that will set in. But the tour's going ahead, which is great. It was supposed to go on last year, so we're a year late. But that's, that's great that shows can 
survive in this time, you know, and it's yeah. very important. People need entertainment need and we need to entertain them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so we? true. It's we so do. true, yes. Much, what are you looking forward to most uh, about this gig? Yeah. Oh, well, just getting together with my band because we haven't gotten yeah. together. I've been doing some theatre and that's been wonderful. But to actually get together with my band and sort of work out, try and remember the choreography and, <laughs> and, the and yeah, all that sort of stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I, it. It's just such a special time spending time with your band, isn't it? Yeah, Leo? absolutely, you know, like, absolutely. And we're family, great friends, so to work together is yeah. such a thrill. Yeah. Um, a turbulent year for many different reasons, and we lost some musical greats this year. Oh, yeah. Mushroom mm. Group founder Michael Gadinsky, of course, oh, the incredible Doug Parkinson. Mm, mm. It, it has been some, a lot of tragedy this year, Marsha, hasn't it? It has. You know, look, um, one of the finest things I ever remember was sitting backstage listening to Doug Parkinson sing Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. Mm. I mean, he, he just, oh, oh my goodness. So I, I just adored him. I yeah. just adored Doug and we toured, we toured. That's right. You know, yeah, we, we all toured, toured yeah, together. We toured and together. we're family, yeah. you know, yeah. like we, yeah. we, we yeah. It, 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 this it, business is very close. It's you know, very we, close we so all support each other. And when we lose a friend like that, yeah. it really hurts. Mm. You know, it really it, hurts. And, and Michael Gadinsky, he was family oh. for me because he signed me mm. and he believed in mm. me and, you know, the Mushroom Group. And they're just amazing bunch of people, you know. Mm. And there, there will never be anybody, I will say this, like Michael Gadinsky. No. He, yeah. And the he, way he believed yeah. in us as performers, he, mm -hmm. if he believed in you, he believed yeah, in you. you know and I know yes. from being in London how much Michael did for the Australian music industry. Yeah. He would come, you know, bring all of his acts to London, to New York, to LA. Mm. He was Australia's salesman of of rock music. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yeah. yes. So what he did for Australia is fantastic. And, and, and Carly Minogue spoke very much to, yeah, to that yeah. as well. Yes. Mm. Leah, we saw on your Facebook page, you've had the COVID jab. I have. I've had the Pfizer, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a volunteer at Canberra Hospital. I'm patron of Canberra Hospital's foundation mm. um, because I live in the Southern Highlands and I'm between Sydney and... Yeah, so there I am. Look, getting jabbed. Ouch. My goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> you made a point saying Pfizer Ouch. jab. Pfizer too. Yeah, I go, back in, I go back in uh, two weeks and have uh, number two. I, I was going to be going to England and that's why really I did it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've had to cancel my British tour this year. Um, it's got to be moved back to next year. Now, that's just the realities of COVID. Sure. You know, we have to live with that. But um, I just thought, no, I'll be safe. I'll be safe. Yeah, good on you. And um, I think everybody should get jabbed, by the way. And, and did you roll your sleeve up for the shot, or is that how you wear your T-shirts anyway? Well, I, I think it's that's how you wear your T-shirts. I reckon that's how you wear it anyway. No, that's part of his Such an embarrassing picture. It's the death of my career. You're so rock star. Oh, my God. It's just really muddle. Coming back in 2022. So they say, but I haven't received the phone call, you know. And whether I do or not, doesn't matter. I got seven brilliant years on that show. And, you know, you guys just had Guy Sebastian on this show. Mm. And that shows what an incredible show yes. Australian yeah, Idol legacy. was. Look at, look mm. at, look at some of the old, Look at you there. <laughs> are you surprised, Marsha, that these, no, people just keep, that these people just keep coming out of the woodwork year after year? We just keep finding incredibly talented people. And no, because I knew they were talented then. Yeah. We knew they were talented mm. then. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they've had vehicles. But I've got to say something. Guy works his butt off, yeah. okay? Mm. It didn't just happen. So mm. if you want a good career, kids in this industry, work your butts off we, and yeah, listen yeah. to people. Mm. And we all remember when Guy had hair like Leo's. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> do, do you have a shot of that? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, we I, I, love I, it. I, every now and then I loan this to him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that good pals. So good to see you guys.
Well, a Melbourne man is suing one of three former girlfriends for defamation after they allegedly banded together to send a letter to his current fiancée warning her of his questionable behaviour, including cheating and drug use. Meanwhile, a property developer is suing a local councillor for defamation, claiming his reputation has been injured because of comments made on a community Facebook page. Now, experts are saying these two cases of character assassination are a call for caution. So, what do you need to know before speaking your mind online? It is a minefield, isn't it? Mm. Lawyer and legal analyst Michael Kozilny joins us. Good to see you, Michael. Uh, is this a wake-up call for anyone using social media to be really careful about what they post and where that can lead? Look, it's a real wake-up call because the Australian uh, national defamation laws were um, handed down in 2006 and we've had so many changes. And, and this is really important to all, all Aussies. It's such an important subject because um, um, I read recently one in uh, one person suicides a week due to online bullying and and it's all part of using a keyboard uh, as a weapon for hatred yes in order to bring a successful defamation case against an individual or business what boxes need to be ticked um, the courts will look at the uh, the, the statement. It's got to be a, a statement of defamation. It's got to be published to at least one other person um, with the intention to um, to cause uh, loss of reputation, damage, or ridicule. What so, about whether it's true or not? Well. The truth will always set us free. If it's true, we can make any statement at all. But if, if you've got an opinion and you've had a, um, you know, a steak you just didn't like, um, you can put that down, but the other person might say it was a great steak restaurant. But what if you are angrily writing your truth? Does that cross the line? There's so much grey here because yeah. of what you say. Like, I didn't like that steak. I didn't like that restaurant. But if you go on a bit of a rant, that potentially crosses the Indeed, line. Indeed, Larry. I think anything that, once we start using names like dickhead and these sort of things and get our emotions involved, that's, um, you know, that's certainly a possible cause mm. of action that could be settled before the court. Um, I think when people do um, do reviews, they should really concentrate on their service experience rather yeah. than the person. Okay, let's run through some common scenarios. We mentioned then uh, those girls banding together to defame yes. the ex-boyfriend. They called him a cheater and a drug user. So that's defamatory. I would never like someone to say that about me. So would they have to prove that was true? Whereas they could say he's just a horrible person mm. and that's okay. But if you're going to call him a cheater, well, that's something else because that can be proved to be not true. Mm. Is there any difference between opinion and then having to prove something's true? Like you're accusing this guy of being a cheater? Well, if his ex-girlfriend has proof and she says it's a true statement that while she was with him, he was with another uh, 10 women yeah. and uh, they all agree. And uh, they also agree that, um, you know, he had um, uh, lots of cocaine at home. Then, then they can say, look, I was just mm. warning you of the potential dangers of this person. But she'd have to prove that was true. She'd have to prove it. And yeah, that, that's right. And because okay. uh, otherwise he, you know, could certainly have a cause. Yeah. And she could be just making it up. Indeed. Let's go back to something that would affect a lot more people mm. and leaving a bad review or a nasty comment online about a business. What, what very, you... very interesting one. And, and, and look, and, and people get them from time to time. And, um, um, and there was an interesting case, uh, Gordon Cheng in uh, Adelaide, he's a lawyer. And he was just awarded last year $750,000 in damages for a one-star review uh, from a client that wasn't actually a client, Larry. And, and, and what the court found oh. was that... Um, um, they um, 
wanted uh, that person to stop the reviews, but, but I think the um, payout was so big because that person, the lady, changed her name and left another two similar reviews saying that this um, uh, lawyer, Gordon Cheng, was a terrible lawyer. So it was an orchestrated sort of... Orchestrated, and then as a result, uh, he fell into a state of depression and the court mm -hmm. awarded him $750,000. And another case here in New South Wales recently, a um, plastic surgeon, um, his wife, left a very um, negative review about his business, his ex-disgruntled wife. He yeah. was paid out, I think, uh, $580,000 for a false review on Google. So we've got to be very careful with those. And that's the thing with the internet. It's been the wild, wild west, hasn't it? Anyone it, can do what they like it, until these, we can look at this sort of stuff closely now. Indeed. Is it, yeah. is it legal to check someone else's texts or emails? I mean, I don't know how you would... No, that, that, that would probably fall under the stalking law, um, Kylie. Mm. But uh, what's exciting is this. Australia has now introduced in Parliament the toughest um, uh, cyber bullying laws in the world and uh, mm. before the Senate at the moment. So that's basically saying um, all those uh, uh, cyber idiots out there who want to put people down, ridicule, um, bully them, got to be careful because the maximum penalties very soon will be $110,000 for an adult and up to $500,000 for a um, uh, company if they don't remove that, um, yeah. that review. Wow. And that's good stuff. That's it's good, good stuff. It's good. powerful. Yeah. Um, good to talk to you, mate. Yeah. This, this affects everybody, yeah. so we really do appreciate your time this morning. Good on you. Okay, yeah. thank you. And this advice is just general in nature, too. You should always seek your own legal advice. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we, it's just good to sort of get a bit of a handle on The law's that. changing. Yeah, so always seek your own legal advice. And remember what Michael said at the top of the segment, you can't call me that anymore. <laughs> Well, earlier this year, TV juggernaut Bridgerton was watched by 80 million households in its first 28 days, giving the world something new to obsess over. We went crazy for the dancing, the dresses and, of course, the Duke. <laughs> and now get ready to enjoy the show in a brand new way, thanks to a pair of TikTok stars who have put a melodic twist on the hit show. Yep, their viral creation, Bridgerton, the musical, is here and ready to rock. And the creators of Bridgerton, the musical, Abigail Barlow and Emily Baird join Hi us guys. now. Hello, team. Well, Abigail, you are one of the millions of people around the world to binge watch Bridgerton. How did you know it would become a yes. great musical? I think the story is just told in such a masterful way, you know? I mean, the dialogue is basically poetry. There's a character for everyone to relate to, and I just immediately after I binge watched it in under 12 hours knew it had to be a musical. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Emily, you've written 15 songs. The, the series' original soundtrack, like the one we listened to on the show, that was a hybrid of pop music and the Regency era, like Taylor Swift on a whole new way. Does <laughs> so, so yes. Bridgerton, your musical, follow the same lead? Yeah, we actually fell in love with that sort of hybrid sound and really wanted to carry that and take it to the next level with our music right. and um, combine like the pop songwriting sensibilities with the orchestral, you know, background. Mm -hmm. You guys have been so busy. Abigail, mm -hmm. worldwide response from your music. It's been overwhelming. Have you heard from any of the cast, though? 
Yes, actually, we've we've seen multiple interviews where they were asked about it and they've all been so supportive of it. And, you know, we've had a few uh, of the cast members reach out to us over social media that just were so, so supportive in the best way possible. And we couldn't ask for a better response from literally everyone involved. Truly. Yeah. Now, Emily, I love Bridgerton as well, but there's no way I could just, you know, pluck a musical out of my inner being. So this is obviously you, you guys are talented in this sphere anyway. So we actually both come from very different musical backgrounds. I have like a background in like film scoring and jazz and classical and she is an incredible pop songwriter and has been doing musical theater forever. But we never really imagined ourselves to be writing musicals. <laughs> no, absolutely until not. very recently. But and we're so grateful for it. Yeah, and we've really fallen in love with the process. There's mm -hmm. nothing quite like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and telling their story. Mm -hmm. Emily, you guys have taken the internet by storm, social media, etc. But what about mainstream media, Netflix? Have they been in touch? They have actually given their blessing to have us release the concept album that we've been working on. So, wow. yeah, that's what we're doing right now is recording and, you know, exploring that idea of, of putting it out for the world. Yeah, is and we actually... Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's <laughs> right. Is that the idea, maybe to get it to Broadway, off-Broadway somewhere, to actually see mm. this as a fully realised musical? I think we'd both die to see it on Broadway. Um, and that is, of course, a dream of ours. But obviously, there's a pandemic, and those things take years to develop. So in the meantime, we really are so passionate, and we love this project so much that we really just want to put the music out. And so there should be a concept album. Oh, my God. A concept <laughs> album coming within the next few months. Very soon. Oh, I love that idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Emily, it's not all fun and games, though, is it? We say goodbye, we know now, to the Duke of Hastings. He's not returning for season two. <laughs> Will you be writing a farewell song? Oh, probably. <laughs> Don't give us that idea because Don't it will happen. Don't give us that idea. Yeah, we will do it. <laughs> the the, the, oh the world is mourning the fact that he's not coming back for season two. <laughs> Yes, it's very sad, but I think season two will focus on another Bridgerton family member. And so, you know, we'll see him probably in big movies very soon. So yeah. it's not the last you'll see of the actor. And who knows, maybe we'll get inspired to write season two. <laughs> yes. All about Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, Anthony does have some big britches to fill. I will say that. Definitely. Well, yeah, well, Definitely. Yes, but... Well, you guys are going to be very busy because season two has been confirmed. We know that. Season mm. three and four mm. announced last week as well. So really? Yes, oh, that's right. right. Crazy. Wow, you, mm. got, you so guys are going to be busy. Really busy. <laughs> <laughs> Abigail and very Emily, busy. it's a delight talking to you. Uh, what you've done with the music and the ideas, just awesome. Um, good stuff. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. <laughs> Bye, guys. So much energy. I wonder if they weren't in lockdown if they would have produced it. No, but... probably not because you would have been off doing other things. That's right. But it, it was, uh, yeah. Great it was stuff. stuff. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, after crunching the numbers, we can officially announce Eddie Wu is Australia's favourite maths teacher. Official. 
first finding fame on his WooTube channel, the educator <laughs> fast multiplied his success with 80 million views online, inspiring kids and adults to get excited about the subject. Despite him making us feel stupid, we love Eddie. Now the <laughs> Australian local hero has put pen to grid paper sharing his life story in a brand new biography aimed at pint-sized re readers. He's proving that following your dreams is just as important as your ABCs and your one, two, threes. Eddie Wu joins us live in the show. We love having you in here. Hi, Eddie. Hey, Kai, Larry, thanks for having me back. Always um, a pleasure. Let's just talk about 2020 just really quickly. Sure. You were one of the first teachers to take your classes online, which now has proved to be like you're ahead of the game. You must have I... found the uh, adapting very easily, did you? It was something which I was really delighted to yeah. be feeling like I'd involuntarily been preparing for for several years, yeah. speaking to a camera and having to interact with my students uh, online rather than face-to-face. -face. We definitely miss being in the classroom so much and grateful to be back there now. Mm -hmm. um, but it was something where every teacher really had to reinvent the book almost overnight when we all went into lockdown. So you were okay with that, but what about the other teachers who, who weren't used to using that medium and, and, and relating to kids like that? How did yeah. they go, do you think? Yeah, steep learning curve for yeah, sure. Right. Though I do think I, I think we've learnt so much from that even though it was a very violent kind of alright we're doing this yeah, and I, right. I wasn't joking about overnight right. it was a very yeah. sudden change where you might remember your kids kind of like right we're all going yep. home now. Um, I think that we've learned tremendous things about how to help our students and support them in mm. remote ways that we can now keep on doing even when we're back in the classroom. Yeah. There's a, a draft, a new national curriculum expected later this month. Now there are concerns that the current system under the current system, on average, 15-year-old Australians are three and a half years behind students in China. Mm. What do you think should be included in the new curriculum? Where does it need a little tickle up, Eddie? It's really tr tricky to think about this because curriculum documents are something which teachers and students all used to think about, what are we supposed to teach, what are mm. we supposed to learn? Um, but it is really different to say what's in a curriculum document versus what are we actually doing with our kids in the mm. classroom? What's their daily experience like? There's always a bit of a, a gap between there. So in terms of you know, changes that are happening at the moment. I think it's really wonderful that there's a renewed focus on problem solving yep. and reasoning. Those are really valuable. We want our kids to be able to do that. But at the same time, I, I think we need to be careful about, say, the international benchmarking that compares us with uh, countries around the world, OECD. There's only so many things that can come through on fairly narrow assessments like that. So mm. we always need to take that with a grain of salt. Okay. Oh, but parents love those. Parents love those graphs, don't they, and those we do. survey results? <laughs> <laughs> now, it's just not what our kids learn, but how they learn. And you have this second WooTube channel dedicated to teaching teachers. So what's your advice up to creating an engaging lesson for your students, your teacher students? Yeah, I do remember the first time that I thought to myself, wow, these student teachers who I'm now meeting in, uh, in, in my school as a, as a teacher trying to mentor them, I thought, wow, these guys are just kids. And that's when I realised, oh, I'm in this next generation. I have a responsibility. Yes, you're old now. To, yeah, <laughs> yes. thanks. It was a, a very euphemistic way to say it. Um, but for me, you know, when you asked about what advice do I give for helping teachers be engaging to, like you said, our kids, really knowing our students well, knowing what makes them tick, what interests them, and being able to yeah. connect what I'm teaching to the things that drive them, motivate them, that's really the key. Mm -hmm. Now, you do uh, tell us about this new bi biography. There's sort of these stories aimed at kids who were just like you at school. Mm. Tell us about your experience at school and why you 
think it's important that you put it in this book. Yeah, so this is a little bit different to books I've been involved with mm. in the past in that, like you said, it's a bit more biographical. So it goes all the way back from my early life and tells the story of how I came to where I am now speaking with you. And I think that maybe answers the question in terms of why is it valuable for um, children to hear the stories of how people like uh, myself or you know, Munjid Al-Muderis, the surgeon, or uh, Georgia Ward-Fear, the reptile biologist, how do they get to where they are now? Often it was through, through challenge but and you, through difficulty. But you're saying it wasn't cool to be the kid who was good at maths at school. <laughs> well, wasn't cool and also wasn't necessarily where I came from. So being able to embrace that struggle and to know we don't just you know, pop out and here we are, instantly we are gifted and skilled. That comes through a real uh, journey of challenge and being able mm. to overcome those difficulties. So there's also, uh, in the series, also shares the stories of some other STEM stars. Who else has been included? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, Munjed and oh, uh, Georgia before. Yeah. Um, you've got, say, for example, Fiona Wood, who's the inventor of spray-on skin, yeah. so particularly helpful with, with burn victims. Yeah. And to know her story of innovation um, and to know all of the challenges there that she overcame and the life and death situations that she had to wrestle with, for me, such an inspiring story. So, Eddie, you're hoping some little 10-year-old or 11-year-old boy or girl reads your story and goes, you know what? I, I love I love maths and maybe I could make a go of this and make it into a career or mm. it could lead me somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for children to be something that they can't see first. Mm. And, you know, for example, um, Gisela Kaplan, who is um, a bird and primate specialist, um, her story of, you know, coming to Australia and the journey she's been through, I hope encourages and inspires many people out there as well. Yeah, and as you said earlier, I mean, there might be someone watching this who thinks one day I can be on the morning show. <laughs> We can all aspire to such heights, If I, if I study hard and write all these books and change the world, one day mm. I'll be there with Kylie and whoever else is hosting when that guy's dead. Um, good to see you, mate, as always. My pleasure. You can pick up a copy of the new book, Eddie Wu, Superstar Maths Teacher, part of the Aussie STEM Stars series. It's out now. One of our favourite guests. Thank you, mate. Oh, <laughs> Kylie yawned, I yawned, but that's last week's story. <laughs> On the Y Files, we unpack the what and the why of your anatomy. Yes, your anatomy, demystifying the most bizarre and mind-boggling bodily functions. On the agenda today, sneezing. Now, the average achoo can travel up to eight metres, clock speeds of up to 160 kilometres an hour and stay suspended in the air for as long as 10 Yuck. minutes. Now, more than ever, we want to understand the power of these sudden, spasmodic and sometimes violent nasal outbursts. We welcome back biomedical scientist Dr Darren Saunders. Good to see you again. G'day. We're still yawning after your last <laughs> segment. Let's, uh, let's get on with the basics. What happens here when we sneeze? There's a lot of interest in sneezing at the moment with COVID. Sure. It used to be thought, the Greeks thought it was a prophetic sign from the gods that it was a good thing to sneeze. We know it's all about getting irritants out of our respiratory system. So you mm -hmm. get dust or an allergy or something mm -hmm. up your nose that irritates your nose, all the muscles in your chest and stomach tighten, you take a big breath and out it comes. Out it comes. And yeah. we close our eyes. We do close our eyes. It's actually, it's a reflex. So the whole sneezing thing is a reflex, which is why it's so hard to stop it happening. Mm. And the eyes are part of that reflex. It is possible to hold your eyes open and sneeze. Your eyeballs aren't going to pop out of your head or anything like that. But you would check. Have to Someone did the experiment. You would have to physically hold them open. Yeah, you have to try really hard to hold them open. It's kind right. of part of the reflex. And we think that's to stop whatever's coming out of your nose also getting into your eyes at the same okay. time. Uh, so. do, you, do, you, do you mind if I say the word orgasm on TV? Do you mind? You're right with that? Better no, you Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Researchers have discovered that some people sneeze when they have uh, sexual thoughts or when they orgasm. Uh, that's the end of the question. Mm. That's a question. Mm. Is that true? <laughs> yes, it is. I read some case reports around this. It's bizarre, but true. There was this poor guy in the UK who, every time he had any kind of naughty thought, 
uh, just started having massive sneezing attacks. Could not stop. Um, wow. And we think it's, oh, hang on, we so think that was the some... sexual stuff came first, then yep. the... Yep. Then the sneezing. As opposed to the other way around, yep. sneezing causing it. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I looked at that as well. That doesn't happen. Oh, I looked oh, that at that. Doesn't... It did happen. Yeah, it's in the medical literature. And I oh, couldn't... oh, you're looking at medical oh, literature. Sorry. So, <laughs> sorry. So this was always going to go pear-shaped, wasn't it? Sneezing first, then the other thing happening is a myth. Yeah, that's a myth. Oh, oh, that is a myth. Sorry. And I brought all that pepper down. <laughs> okay, what about, what about sunlight? Because some people yes. walk into the sunlight... And we'll just have a little sneeze straight away. Yeah, I'm one of those people. About a half of, really? a third to a half of people have that reaction. It's called yeah. a photic sneeze response. Photic? Sneeze response. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's partly genetic, so you inherit that propensity to do that from, from your... You know, and what's the thinking, though? Why does it happen? We don't really know. It's another one of those things we don't really know. We think it's either the sunlight directly irritating our, the end of our nose and mm. sort of stimulating the nerve that causes us to sneeze, or it could be a change in temperature. Now, oh. you were saying in the commercial break, you do that machine gun sneeze thing, yeah? I do. You, can't, you start seven and you can't stop. Well, what's, yeah. what, why is that? Because I would sneeze once and I'm done. Why are you sneezing seven so times? So it's probably because the thing that's irritating our nose hasn't gone away. So either the allergic response to pollen or the thing that's right. making us irritated hasn't gone away. There was a case report of a poor guy a poor lady in the UK who sneezed consecutively for 978 days. So they thought she sneezed over a million times just in one year. This poor woman had some sort of reflex loop set up and she just could not stop sneezing. Wow. Yeah. And what, how did she stop it eventually? I don't know, but it lasted, it lasted for right. years, like three or oh. four years. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's sponsored by Kleenex now. <laughs> <laughs> what about if we try and hold it in? Because if you're driving, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've said, you know, we... we actually close our eyes. I, I've, I get nervous if I have yep. to sneeze while I'm driving. Mm -hmm. So can we try and hold it in? It's a really bad idea to try and hold in a sneeze. Why? There, you can, you can um, bust your eardrums. Because that air, that, all that really forced air that's coming out as a reflex has to find somewhere to go. So if you try to stop it coming out, it will find a place to go. And so there's reports of people busting eardrums. There's a horrible report I read of a guy who ruptured his throat. So it actually <gasps> tore the muscles and the tissue lining of his throat as the air tried to escape. There are other ways for air to come out of your body? Does, does it no, ever get redirected? No, it doesn't go that way. The plumbing doesn't work that way, thankfully. It doesn't get redirected. <laughs> well, for most of us, but congratulations if you've organised that reroute. <laughs> good good rerouting, yeah. Um, any treat, we all feel them coming on at uh, you know terrible moments, sometimes mm. even on the couch, you know, like, what do we do? How do we stop it? There's a couple of tricks that work for some people. One is you can sort of stick your finger here on your top lip. Oh, we'll just come back to you for that yeah, shot so we can see it because we're looking at the cat's nose. Yeah, yeah, so, what so do you, you do? just hold your finger on your top lip. There works for some people. But hang on, you're the biomedical scientist. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. that... Is that... That doesn't work for me. The one that works for me sometimes, not all the time, is I sort of hold my tongue on the top of my palate. Um, and that, I guess, triggers the same nerve that's involved in the sneeze reflex and somehow breaks the loop of the reflex. It doesn't work all the time. But these sound like old wives' tales to me. <laughs> no, I know, people, just... I know people that it works for. They, they, they swear yeah, by you're it. Right. So. It does look very much like a wiggle. But it dance. does look like a strange thing to be doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but it works. Yeah, apparently. Okay. All right. okay. Yep. Can we talk mucus? For a second, uh, we often hear clear means we're healthy. Mm. If it's kind of like a greenish colour, we're like there's some infection, like you know, if you've got a sinus problem. Uh, does does the colour of what does that yeah. mean anything? It does. It does. Are so, we talking about mucus just yeah. generally, or are we talking in in relation to a sneeze? Well, nasal. that's what comes out when you sneeze. And apologies to everyone having morning tea at the moment. Okay. Um, Gee, that's the colour does sneeze, the colour does indicate some things. So the colour in mucus, that horrible greeny yellow colour, comes from the white blood cells that are there trying to fight infection that you've got that's causing that mm. um, all that mucus to be mm. there and there's actually an enzyme in there that makes a bleach so this our white blood cells come in to try and kill an infection and they do that by making a bleach like chemical and there's a thing called myeloperoxidase which mm. 
actually is coloured green. And so when there's lots of those white blood cells there, they're making lots of that myeloperoxidase and that makes the mucus go that horrible green yellow colour. Okay, oh, gross. Interesting. Gross. <laughs> gross, thank but you. But interesting. But yeah, it is very interesting, interesting and affects every single one of our viewers. We appreciate yeah. your time this morning. Good to see you thank as you. always. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Morning Show podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Also, you'll find more from the show on our website at themorningshow.com.au. We'll catch you again weekdays after sunrise on Channel 7. Bye. Bye.